I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts. I'm Scott Mitchell. Thanks for listening to this classic episode of Helmets Off. I record new episodes every week, so please subscribe to Helmets Off wherever you listen to great podcasts. Dave Craig, 19-year veteran, NFL quarterback, virtually played for every team, uh, probably has an amazing collection of helmets today, but had a very distinguished career, Pro Bowl player, uh, ranks in probably the top 15, 20 player, NFL quarterbacks of all time in yards passing, touchdowns, wins, everything. And a guy from Wisconsin, Milton College, has just an, an outstanding career. Dave, how are you? And welcome to the show. Scott, I'm doing fine. Good to talk to you. Okay, so Milton College. Was that your first choice? or or, or Tell me about Milton College. Well, it's a small college in southern Wisconsin. It's south of Madison. It's over by Janesville and Beloit. If anybody knows southern Wisconsin. Uh, it's north of Chicago, about an hour and a half. Anyway, uh, I got in with high school. I wasn't all conference in football or maybe basketball, I think I was. And uh, I was working at the paper mill and doing some other odd jobs. And it got to be August or, I mean, late middle July. And uh, my dad was telling me, look, are you thinking about going to college somewhere? And I didn't get any offers from anybody. And I'm like, well, I didn't even think about it. So I went to the University of Wisconsin-Whitewater on a Sunday. Nobody was down there. And then Rudy Gadini was the coach at Milton. He uh, contacted my high school coach. And then I went down to Milton. I was a seven-string quarterback of a team that had about 50 guys on it. <laughs> so how do you go from seven to – the NFL. Well, that that took a little while, but seven string uh, by the end of the third or fourth uh, game, first game of the season, uh, the play the play, the the quarterbacks they had in front of us because we only had so many players, he moved two or three of them to tight end, so we got down to three or four quarterbacks by the start of the season. I started playing my freshman year, went into a game, did really good, and the coach kept me in there. And then at the end, you know, there was no when I was done with my senior year in college, there was no inkling that I'd be drafted. I did get those letters, you know, you get from the Packers or the Cowboys saying we're interested in you, but other than that, nothing. And then uh, my college coach fortunately knew Dick Mansberger. He was the player personnel director for the Seahawks. Uh, Rudy sent some tapes out to him. Uh, he saw some stuff in there. Jerry Rome was the offensive coordinator. He finished second in the Heisman a long time ago and he played in the NFL and he saw something in me. So the first time I flew on a plane was to go out to Seattle and try out for the Seahawks. The first time in your life you flew, flew on an airplane? Yeah. Well, well, how did Milton travel? 
We took buses. You took buses. Wow, that's crazy. So you're undrafted. You're well. That's crazy, Scott. The people that have been to big time colleges <laughs> and get to fly, but you know, there's lots of NAIA schools, NCAA Division two schools that don't fly. So that you know, it's the people that aren't used to flying don't think it's a big deal, and the people that fly go, "I can't believe you took buses." So I, I believe you. I've looked life from both sides. <laughs> Well, it's it's just so fascinating because I mean, you played 19 years in the NFL, and 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 I we were teammates, and I, um, <clears throat> I've just been so impressed with you. You have this resiliency about you that is just uncanny. I mean, most people they don't go to Milton College and end up in the NFL and play 19 oh, yeah, years. I'm and, aware of that, and and that, and uh, and just blessed. your just your whole career. I mean, it's. Uh, you know, so many guys will go somewhere, and they'll have they'll have success or or not or or some success, and then they go somewhere else, and the candle very quickly kind of flickers out, and and they're done. And I, I just remember when we were teammates, and and it was in this is like my first impression of you. We were in <laughs> we were in training camp. And and I re- and you were like you were struggling physically, like you wore these. Um, it was like a this really thick girdle, almost like a neoprene thing, just you know, because your legs, you know, you're like I'm going to pull a hamstring or, or a groin or something. No, I wasn't. It was I wasn't worried about that. It's like usually when training camp starts, the first thing that hurts a quarterback is your groins because you can practice dropping back all you want, and then all of a sudden the intensity of training camp comes up, and that that usually happens every year. Yeah, and you and you were like, I, I, you, you made this comment, and it just really struck, stuck, <laughs> stuck with me. About you go, I'm playing so bad, they're going to cut me. And and I was like, well, yeah. and 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 I really felt a genuine, like you were really serious about. It. I mean, you know, it's, you kind of might take it as a, you know, an offhanded comment, but but it, there was like a seriousness to you, and it was. And it was just a way. I, I don't know how it happened, but you just, you just, it just dialed you in, and you just realized, you know, I've got to perform. I've got to perform all the time. I'm not just going to show up here and it's going to happen. I've I've got to make make things happen. And I, I don't know if you were conscious about it, but it, it had an impact on me. And, and oh, that's 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 cool because when I whenever I went somewhere, I always felt like every play, even when I was a starting quarterback, you know somebody was going to beat me out because that's just the attitude you should have. And, um, and maybe the reason I was, and, and I can probably almost, I'm sure this is like when you, when you're playing quarterback and you go to, from one system to another, to another for like three years in a row, it's hard to pick up the nuances of the terminology of call and play. So right away you're starting to, you're mentally thinking so much that you, you can't just naturally perform and react. And that's what I was used to. So probably, Again, like I said, early in camp, you're frustrated, like, oh, what is he trying to say? What's Tom Moore trying to tell me here? Oh, I see. You got Brett Perriman over here, Herman Moore. Okay, we want to do this. We want to check that. And if you come from one system, from another to another, it takes a little bit to pick it up. Once you get it, it's okay, but it's frustrating at first. And I'm glad I kind of said that. It's like, you know, I didn't think I was performing good enough. So, you know, that that's I, I love football. So I, I always want to do the best I could at it. Maybe that's the perfectionist in me, but I love football. And I don't like doing bad at it. <laughs> well, you you were very good. So how um, how what was? I have an opinion about this, but I'm, I'm, I want to you know. So you did have all of these different systems you were in, and and I know how hard that is. And I've talked to other quarterbacks on my show about 
you know, gosh, you know, changing systems and like intellectually, you know it, but you, you know, to play quarterback and to be effective, you, you have to play on instinct. You have to be able to react to things. And if you're out there thinking it's, it's hard, it's hard to react. So how did you, how did you manage that in your career? I mean, I know like Dan Marino said, look, I I played in the same system my whole entire year. And it's a lot of why I was able to have the consistent success I had in, in my career. So how did you, how did you handle that? Well, I played in this. We changed some schemes up in Seattle. I was there for 12 years. Uh, and then I went to Kansas City for two years, and that was a little bit different. We went from uh, Joe Pendry's offense my first year to the second year, learning the West Coast offense, which which was kind of similar to what we ran in Detroit. And I thought, wow, what a great offense. I mean, the quarterback is like a point guard in basketball. You just distribute the ball, get it out quickly, take the big plays when they're there. So I learned that in Kansas City. Um, and then uh, then I went to Detroit. So I'm like, okay, so I learned one system my first year in Kansas City, just left Seattle, so that would be two. Third year was the West Coast offense. So the fourth year, changing just three teams, four, four different offenses. So it takes a lot of studying and, and trying to go, this is what I did before, but we called it that. Now we're calling it this. It's very similar. And you got to get the old stuff out of your mind, put the new stuff in your mind, and then start interacting with your teammates, trying to get them to perform better than they can. You know, we had Kevin Glover. We had Lomas Brown. We had great offensive linemen there. And then you have to learn their personalities and nuances so you can talk to them and what guy you should yell at, what guy you can't, what receivers you can say. So there's a lot of things to, you know, trying to become a quarterback in like a month and a half. That's about the time you have with training camp and everything. So that, that, that's, that, that's how you do it. You just study and work hard at it. So all of the places you played – um, who, who is the, did you ever have, you know, you played with Steve Lar- Largent. Did, um, did you ever have a receiver that you just had this, just like nonverbal communication, almost symbiotic re- relationship with where you Herman just more Herman Moore. It's a name you and I both know. I mean, really talk to me about Steve, Steve Largent all the time. And, uh, and, and, and he was a good receiver. He was very, you know, like a professor, he'd run down the field, know the coverages, do these different quick breaking, like a little water bug. He was just quick on his feet, came in and out of breaks, unbelievable. Um, he was right where he was supposed to be when he was supposed to be there. I mean, I could throw the ball before he came out of his break. So that was Steve Arden. But Herman Moore, when I first got to Detroit, I'm like, this kid's 6'4". Uh, I know he high jumped 7'2 at University of Virginia. He can run. He's athletic. But when I first, we just ran a hitch route. I threw it to him and he stuck these long arms out and he caught the ball with his hands, literally with his fingertips. And I'm like, that's what every receiver should do. And most receivers do, but he made an emphasis. And then those big, huge hands. So that was a guy that I just thought, man, I'd love to throw to Herman Moore. That, that's so interesting because um, cause, cause I had that with Herman. You know, so you, after you left, you know, we played four or five years together. And there was, there was this understanding. And he said, look, I know this sounds odd, but I'm actually better if I'm covered than if I'm open. Right. Because I, I can position myself with the DB and I'm all, and I'm a lot bigger than most. I mean, Herman's almost my height. And he said, so um, I, I, I feel more comfortable. And it's a hard thing as a quarterback to, you know, figure out, okay, if he's if he's covered, he's actually open, and it's where you where you throw the football. But we got to a point where it was just it was incredible the the communication, and there were a lot of things we did that were just really fun and exciting. And 
and and I just had a, a tremendous time with him. I'm just curious. So, what other guys uh, that you played with, wide receiver wise, that you really had a great relationship with? Oh, there's Paul Scanzi, there's uh, JJ Burden, Willie Davis. Not big names with Kansas City, uh, but but they were they were good receivers. There's a whole bunch of receivers as you go around. Rob Moore, I played with him here. Larry Centers was a running back, but a great receiver. John L. Williams. I mean, I can go on and on about guys I played with, but you know, it's it's uh, you, you get to play with a lot of them. Some of them stand out more than others, but there, there's a lot of them that stand out for different reasons. Paul Scanzi was similar to me. Is like. Uh, I think he was a free agent. He came out of University of Washington, went to Pittsburgh, and then he bounced around a little bit and just found a home. He was a possession receiver. Brett Perriman's a kind of guy like that, you know, yeah. uh, feisty type guy. Herman, like you talked about, he's more cerebral. And I think I know he meant when he was open, he's open, but I think he said he, he probably meant when I'm covered, I'm still open too just because of his size and everything like that. But there's so many receivers, Scott. Um, you talk about Marino. I mean, he had Duper and Clayton. He had – Boy, and he had a lot of good receivers down there, too. So there's a lot of good receivers, but you can't do anything unless you have great offensive linemen. So I, I never keep those guys out of the loop. No, it all it all happens up front, no question. So um, at what point – you're undrafted, right? You go to the, the Seahawks. Why? Why Is it just that there was a relationship there you knew – uh, did you have other options? What 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 no, drew no, you to? No, there was no other options. When I came out of Milton, <laughs> uh, that was the only chance I had. It's like that Eminem song. I had one chance, one shot, one opportunity, and I didn't throw up my mom's spaghetti. I was very lucky. I went there. I was so scared, Scott. Uh, I went there in uh, 1980. It was uh, the year Mount St. Helens blew. Was May oh 15th. wow! It was mini. Were you it there? Was camp. Yeah. Oh my goodness. I didn't know that. And all the ashes, I, I go fishing over in uh, eastern Washington by Spokane, and they must have had like six, it, it was like six inches of snow, but it was all like powdered ash and was on their windshields and messed up their cars. It was a it was a big deal because, you know, depending which way the wind blew and, you know, uh, just it, the enormity of a, vol, a volcano erupting basically, even though it wasn't like a huge, huge one, but it was a big deal. But anyway, that's how I remember it. And then I go to Seattle and uh, I'm wearing my Milton College plastic cleats that were rubbed down to almost like bowling shoes, but had my Milton College helmet on because they didn't have all the stuff they have today. And we went out there and practiced for three days, and there was like five or six – there were seven quarterbacks there, a guy from Paul McGaffigan from Long Beach State, uh, Mitch Kupchick from North Carolina, David something from Southwest Oklahoma, uh, Paul McGaffigan from Long Beach. So there was like seven of us there. And then Jim Zorn, Sam Atkins, and Steve Meyer. So we had a bunch of quarterbacks there. They kept one kid there for minicamp. He stayed there for the off-season workouts. I went back to Wisconsin and ran. I got some people just that they would. I'd stand on a high school hash mark so that they're a little bit, you know, further away to throw an out way to the other side of the field just to get my arms stronger. I'd run. We didn't have all the weightlifting you had, but, you know, I'd work out every day. And then I went to, when I went to, when I landed in Seattle, uh, they invited me back for training camp. And then that's when you got to make it. And, that that was so hard because you're studying plays one day, the next day they're adding more. Yep. They added more plays in a week than we had at Milton in four years. <laughs> so at what point did it click in? When when did you go, okay, I'm here, I belong, uh, I can do this? Um, well, I don't know if I belong, but at least I figured out what to do. And between 1980 and 81, Jerry Rome had a quarterback school. So I played the whole – I mean, I was on the team the whole year in 1980 – 
I got in the last game of the season for a couple series. And then during the off season, I went home, snowmobiled and all that stuff and came back in uh, March or April. And Jerry had a, a month and a half long quarterback school. So these guys would go there and he'd put in an offensive play, a defensive play, then he'd put in motion. And then he'd have you label who's who, who does what on each play. It's, you know, pretty in-depth. These guys would get 95s, 96s, and they'd be complaining. I'd be getting 56s, 58s, 60s. <laughs> and then as it progressed two, three weeks into it, I would go home each night uh, and, and recorrect the test that he gave me, gave us, and then study for the next test the very next morning. We did it Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. And about three weeks into it, I got a 75. He drew a little light bulb. That's when I was starting to get it mentally and everything. So when minicamp came about, I'm like, wow everything just slowed down. It's like, now this is like playing in my backyard. You know, it's not just freelance. It's taking advantage of the defense, knowing what, you know, whether a safety's up or back, or if it's covered two, are they going to blitz? Is this linebacker coming? You start to recognize all that and you know exactly how to react. Now you're just playing football. So that's what kind of got the hang of the mental side of the, of the game and catching up to everything. And then it was just a matter of going out there and competing. And then, when you do get your chance, you know, Jim Zorn was the icon back there for a while, and he broke his ankle in 81. I got to play the last four games. We won three of them, and then I started the next year, 1982. So I'm on my, my third year in the NFL, and I'm starting quarterback uh, against the Houston Oilers, and I was just at Milton, you know, two and a half years before that. Did you have a good relationship with Jim? I mean, because you kind of took over for him. Was that was – that... Yeah, we had a good relationship, but I know a lot of the fans love Jim and um, – uh, you know, he, he, he was, you know, just, and him and Steve Largen were good friends. So, you know, it was tough, but we were good friends. Jim would have me come over to his house and, you know, we'd watch film together and stuff like that. This is before I took over, but so we have, a, we had a good relationship. We still do. So, um, do you have a moment that you remember the most from your career? Like, is there is there one oh. moment that just sticks out, a play? Oh, I don't know about a play, but I know a game. Um, and and most athletes, good athletes or whatever, they always they don't remember the good things or the best things that happen. At least for me, it's the 1983 championship game would have been in 1984 down in L.A. And we played the Los Angeles Raiders at the time, and uh, it was they they knew they had Jim Plunkett. They they'd been to the Super Bowl a couple years before. We had just beaten the Dolphins. We were 17.5-point underdogs. That was Dan's uh, rookie year, and we went down there and beat them. And I think what would happen to anybody, it's human nature. We thought, oh, my God, we carry our coach off, you know, in a divisional playoff game, but we still had one more game to go, the conference, I mean, the cha championship game to go into the Super Bowl. And I didn't know – I mean, that is the downfall of going to Milton. You're not playing in big bowl games. You're not playing in front of crowds. You're, you know – you're just thrust into that. So that was one eye-opening experience for me. I completed as many passes as I threw interceptions in that game, and it was just – it was terrible. I mean, our whole offense did bad. And, you know, if there's one game you want to play good in, it's in a big game like that. And I didn't, and we didn't play as good as, as we could have. So I remember that one. There's, there's some good ones, though, too. I mean, beating the Dolphins down there, beating the Chiefs uh, on a last-second throw after Derek Thomas had seven-and-a-half sacks on me. I mean, those are some games you remember. Yeah, I remember a game uh, when you were at Arizona, and it was fourth in about 19, and we were ahead when I was in Detroit. It was the next year after you left Detroit, and you threw this crazy 
throw from your butt yep. into the corner of the end zone and scored a touchdown and beat us late in the game. I, re- I yes, remember that one, Anthony Dave. Anthony Edwards, it was, the, it was the second or third game of the season. Uh, we had lost two in a row. They were thinking of benching me because I just came to Arizona from Detroit, and it was four, exactly right. It was like fourth and 19. And I, I still see Anthony Edwards over here at the Cardinals facility. He works for him. I said, Anthony, thank you so much. And he knows exactly <laughs> what I'm talking about because we say it all the time because had I not done good in that game, I'm sure Buddy Ryan would have said, hey, uh, we're going to have to go to some other quarterback. But, you know, that enabled me to keep – starting and stuff we didn't have that great a year but i do remember that play we beat detroit in detroit and i was just there the year before sorry about that no it actually turned out to be a good thing for, for <laughs> us because <laughs> because we actually kind of made some adjustments and had a come to jesus moment and it, it turned our whole season around so so right. thank you thank Sometimes, you for that uh, adversity can be a, a, a benefit when you all get together and talk about it it really you know, can if you're all wrote if you all grab an oar and row and you're in the same boat it goes a lot better so Dave, um, I gotta we gotta wrap it up here, but uh, I, I gotta have you back on. I got so much more I need to talk with you about. Uh, I appreciate sure. your time, and uh, if I can ever help you out with anything, I'd, I'd love to. Right on, Scotty. I wish we could talk a few more minutes, but I got like a little bit of business stuff. I don't know that much about it, but that's what I gotta do here next. But anyway, my friend, thank you for talk, talking to me. Give me a call. We'll do it again. All right, sounds good. Thanks, Dave. Thanks for listening. I record new episodes of Helmets Off all the time, so make sure you hit that subscribe button and have a great day.